Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. That we can actually learn an awful lot about God just from the way that he made our bodies. And she also has to be willing to let go of control and just surrender to the moment. And so we need to start seeing sex as much a much broader thing, that it isn't only intercourse. It's much more than just that. And when we see it that way, then we're less inclined to see her as broken. If one person honestly never wants sex, truly never wants it, you need to ask, what's missing? Christian women experience sexual pain at twice the rate of the general population. If you're having sex time, then that must mean that God is far away, right? (laughs) And if you're having God time, then that must mean that sex is far away. So if we're made in the image of God, then we have to believe that stuff about our sexuality is telling us something about God. Dear young married couple, you're in a busy season of your life. You're probably working and involved in ministry. On top of that, You might even be parents or students. You're maxed, but you really want to stay connected in your marriage. And that's why we're bringing this podcast to you. I'm Adam King. And I'm Carissa King. And we work with busy couples just like you in our counseling office here in Sacramento, California. We also work with couples all over the world through online counseling. And our couples are really just looking for ways to communicate with each other more effectively. Some of them are looking to heal from a breach in trust or find direction in fulfilling the purpose that God has for them. So come and join us as we have a conversation. We'll talk with therapists, authors, pastors, and other couples who will pour into us, giving us tools to become more intimately connected, get adventurous, and find purpose. Welcome to the Dear Young Married Couple podcast. Before we get into introduce our guest, We would like to give a shout out to someone who left a very kind review on our podcast. Yes. So this shout out goes to Casey Joe. Casey Joe said, I've been listening to your podcast for a year now and following on Instagram. I love the topics you talk about. This is such an awesome resource that is available for all married couples in any stage of life. Thank you for your ministry. So thank you, Casey Joe. We appreciate you leaving the review. Yes, it really does help us um, and helps other people find the material here. So thank you. Our guest today is Sheila Gregoire. She is a very popular author. She's written eight books. She's a very um, well-known blogger. And uh, she wrote uh, one book in particular that uh, we have found very helpful. Yes. So that book is The Good Girl's Guide to Great Sex. We have included this book in several bridal shower gifts. Um, We have used it in our own marriage for years. And um, we thought, what a great... Uh, topic and title for today's podcast. So we are interviewing Sheila today on um, topics from that book, and we'll also include the book in the show notes. Um, But yeah, Sheila is um, just an excellent author and um, blogger. You can see more of what she does on her podcast and blog in the show notes. Um, She has been married for a long time. We shared that at the end of the podcast today. And she has two married children as well. Um, And she lives in Canada. So here we go. 
So welcome, Sheila. Thank you so much for being with us today on the podcast. Yeah, it's great to join you. So we are we have lots of questions that um, come from newlyweds, some gals who are not married yet, and then some gals who have been married for a long time. And we're just going to start throwing some questions at you. Awesome. Okay, fire them at me. All right. All right. So here we go. So one of the questions we had is why did God make sex the way he did? And maybe why did he make men and women so differently? It's kind of taking it from your book, but kind of want to hear your in-person take. Well, I think one of the misconceptions that we have is that sex is mostly physical. And that's what we see in our society, right? Like, like sex is used to sell stuff. The pornography industry is huge. And so we're always focused on like climax, 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 and how it's so physical. And mm-hmm. what I want people to realize is something that I call the theology of the clitoris, <laughs> which is okay. I think that we can actually learn an awful lot about God just from the way that he made our bodies, because it tells us so much about the fact that he intended sex to be so much more than just physical. Because if you think about right. it, humans are one of the, like, well, really the only species that routinely and can easily um, make love facing each other. Usually it's, it's so, so sex is meant to be personal for us. It isn't just physical. We can also make love when we're not fertile, (laughs) right? Like most animals go into a period of heat, you know, or they really only have any kind of sex drive or whatever when fertility is involved. But with humans, it's more than that. And, and then when you look at the clitoris, it's like it's on the outside, which is kind of weird. And I think that that's to the great consternation of a lot of women, because a lot of women are like, how come sex feels so great for him? But for me, it doesn't, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because what feels really good for me is not up there. It's somewhere else. <laughs> and why uh, is that? Like, yeah. why did God do yeah. that? Right. But, you know, I think it's I think it's so that. To make sex wonderful for her, he has to slow down and pay attention to her. In essence, mm-hmm. like he has to serve her for a while. And yeah. so sex is meant to be something like if you're going to have great sex, it's meant to be something where he has to serve, he has to slow down, he has to think about her, and she also has to be willing to let go of control and just surrender mm-hmm. to the moment. So it's like it isn't only physical because what we find during sex is that it's actually highly personal, it's highly intimate, and you actually grow in your communication and in how you treat each other just because of the way God made our bodies. So good. And that is, well, that's what we need to do, grow in our communication. And then maybe that's why God made us looking at each other in the act of sex. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you probably see that break down a lot, like communication, because it's uncomfortable for me or I have misconceptions about what sex mm-hmm, is mm-hmm, or my mm-hmm. teaching around sex, my communication actually doesn't go deeper. Maybe yeah. we avoid mm-hmm. it. Like You probably see this happen. Oh, yeah. Well, like if I were to ask you, did you have sex last night? Which I'm not going to do on air. Don't worry. But because that's kind of like <laughs> creepy. But but if I were to ask you that, everybody's picturing something, right? Like everyone's uh-huh. picturing something very specific, mm-hmm. which is everyone is picturing intercourse. That's what we're yeah. picturing, right? Yeah, right? Like man puts his thing like, like, a, you know, 
put yeah. A into slot B or whatever, right? But that's <laughs> what we're all thinking. Right. And Very mechanical. The problem, exactly. But the other issue is that it's not only that it's mechanical, although that is a problem as well, but it's also that it really focuses on his experience and not on hers. Mm. Because intercourse is something which feels good for men about 95% of the time. But in a recent survey that we just did of 20,000 women, what we found is that only 48% of women um, reach climax like usually or always during mm. sexual encounters with their husbands. And even mm. when they do, it isn't necessarily through intercourse. Yep. So it's yep. like when we picture it as only intercourse, what we're really picturing is him having a good time. And then if she does, it's like a bonus, mm. but it's yeah. not necessary or it probably won't happen for a lot of people. Mm. And yeah. so I think that's why communication breaks down is because when you have sex and it doesn't feel very good for her, she thinks she's broken, right? Like she yeah. thinks what's wrong with me because this feels so good for him and it just doesn't feel good for me. And he wonders if she's broken too, because mm. this is supposed to feel good. God made this mm -hmm. to feel good. What's wrong with you that it doesn't. Yeah. And mm. what we don't realize is that we weren't made to find the same things fun. <laughs> You know, <laughs> yes. like, like I was talking yeah. about, we were made for different things. That doesn't mean that intercourse can't be fun for her, by the way. It's just that for right. most women, they need a lot of warming up. Mm -hmm. And so we need to start seeing sex as much, a much broader thing that it isn't only intercourse. It's much more than just that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and when we see Good. it that way, then we're less inclined to see her as broken. Because I, I think that. that's one of the big problems with communication is how do you talk about what you want when you feel like my body isn't working the way it's supposed to? That's excellent. That is good. Yeah. In addition to the feeling broken, what else do you think contributes to a breakdown in the communication around sex and intimacy in a marriage? I think that there's just the big, big tension that almost every couple has that somebody is going to want it more than the other person. You know, <laughs> someone's going to have the higher libido and it isn't always the guy. Okay. Right. Like in, in our, in my original surveys for my book, the good girl's guide to great sex, I found that about 24% of women had the higher sex drive than their okay. husband. Uh -huh. um, so, but, but inevitably somebody's going to want it more. And then that person is going to feel rejected and like my spouse doesn't really want me or love me. And then the lower drive spouse is just going to feel continually put upon like, why am I never good enough? You know, why do they only want me for this one thing? And why are they always bugging me? And this is yeah. really a problem. And so again, mm -hmm. we see it as a very, um, almost an antagonistic thing, like only one of us can ever get what we want. <laughs> and yeah. so how do we navigate those kinds of differences too? Oh, yes. So what, what advice would you give to somebody who says, I want sex to feel like a mutual gift. I want it to be this giving and receiving. Um, what would be a good first step for them to take to move from this antagonistic game to a more mm -hmm. mutual gift yeah. experience? Well, one of the things that I have found is that healthy people in a good marriage where sex is great tend to want sex. Okay. They may mm -hmm. not want it at the same level. You know, some person, some people may want it like once a day 
day. Some people may want it like once every three days, Mm -hmm. but it's not like someone, if you're in a healthy, good marriage where sex tends to be great for both of you, it's not like someone goes to wanting it every two months. Like it's, you know, you tend to have good sex drive. So if one person honestly never wants sex, (laughs) like Mm -hmm. truly never wants it, you need to ask what's missing in that, Mm -hmm. right? Is our, are we not both healthy people? (laughs) Do we not have a good marriage or is sex not very great? Because let me tell you, like for a lot of women, if sex does absolutely nothing for you, why should she want it? And I think Mm -hmm. the problem is we tend to start with, we treat it like it's a libido issue. Why doesn't she want sex? And what we found is that when women are regularly reaching orgasm and when they feel good in their marriages, they do want sex. You know, like I said, it may not be like once a day, it might be like once every three days, once every four days, whatever, but it's not like they never want sex. And so I think we need to treat libido more like a thermometer in a marriage where the libido tells you, is there something wrong or not? Rather than a thermostat where, well, we just kick it up a bit and then everything will be fixed. Yeah, that's good. That is really good. That is really good. Go ahead. Uh, we both have questions. Yeah. We want to jump in. Um, <laughs> your book, um, The Good Girl's Guide to Great Sex, uh, I think catches so many Christian women, uh, catches our eye, right? Because it's like, well, we want good sex with our husband and I'm a good girl. Mm-hmm. And so how can, I love you, you talk about this, how can holy or hot and holy go together? Um, so yeah. can you talk about this concept for a little bit? How How you put hot and holy in the same category? Yeah, because I think that's one of the big roadblocks that so many women have with enjoying sex is that we feel like God and sex are at polar opposite ends of a spectrum and they should never meet, right? So Mm -hmm. like if you're having sex time, then that must mean that God is far away, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And if you're having God time, then that must mean that sex is far away, (laughs) like like that they, they can't be anywhere close to each other. And what we often forget is like God made sex and God made sex to be amazing. And God made women's bodies so that we have a special piece of our anatomy, which is only, the only purpose is for pleasure, you know, and to bring orgasm. Yeah. Like that's the only purpose for the clitoris. And so God meant for women to have a good time. And um, I love, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take us back to C.S. Lewis for a minute and take us okay. to Narnia because there's a line in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe that I think talks about sex or at least sums up a lot about sex that we need to okay. understand. Um, but when they're talking about Aslan, you know, like, like the, the children are asking the beavers what Aslan is like, and they reply, well, he's not a tame lion, you know, mm-hmm. like he's not a tame lion, like he's good, but he's not tame. Mm-hmm. And I love that picture of God, that yes. God is good, but he's not tame. And I think that needs to be when, when God created sex in essence, like sex is at the very core, it's the most personal part of us. So if we're made in the image of God, then we have to believe that stuff about our sexuality is telling us something about God and telling us something about what God wanted our our lives to be like, our attitudes to be like, all of that sort of thing. And here's the thing about orgasm. God created it to be the height of 
human pleasure, the height of human experience in many ways. And during orgasm, you kind of lose control. You know, thought becomes very primitive. It's hard to keep a straight thought in your head. Like you become yeah. experience much yes. more than thought, mm-hmm. right? So you become experienced living in the moment. And I think that's what God wants for us from from our relationship with him too, that it isn't supposed to be something which is tame. It's supposed mm-hmm. to be something where we do lose control to God, you know, mm-hmm. where, where we do experience God without always understanding everything, yes. where it's not just thought, you know, yeah. where it is, you know, where it is just living in the moment. And mm-hmm. I think orgasm teaches us that God wants more for us than just simply living an intellectual life. Yep. It's this blending of experience and the physical and all of that all together. Yes. And, and I think that if we could get a glimpse of that, then we could understand that holiness to God does not mean being in control. Holiness to God does not mean being completely proper you know, holiness to God means being a little bit not tame. (laughs) It's surrender, right? Being able to live in the moment. Exactly. That's a perfect Mm -hmm. word for it. Exactly. And, and so that's how I want women to understand it is that it is supposed to be a surrender. Like you said, it is supposed to be something which is, which can be hot and holy at the same time, because we're able to let ourselves not be in control and not be totally proper. Love that. That's so good. And that's probably why it takes us so many, so so much time to develop. Well, go back out a little bit. Relationship takes time to give that time to, or like to learn to surrender, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You know, like I don't surrender right away. My relationship with God takes time to build and become better, mm-hmm. and so I can mm-hmm. trust because it's different from just believing in and trusting in. Mm-hmm. You know, trusting is mm-hmm. actually deciding that this boat's shipworthy, so I'm going to get in it. And sail, and and so it does take time. Something that stuck out to me um, that that you wrote that I thought was surprising was that sex um, for for couples that are married for sixteen years to twenty four years, I think yeah. you said, is best. Yeah. Mm. I was like, that's so interesting because mm-hmm. at first, yeah. like when, when when we were first married, I was like, this can't get better, or you know, like. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know, like, and it just, and people are like, well, it just gets better and better. It does. Just like a relationship. You know, mm-hmm. if, if you're, if you're intentional about relationship, it grows and gets better and better over time. Mm-hmm. And I thought kind of what you were saying, learning that surrender, learning that, that deeper, I don't know, like that trust, it helps mm-hmm. you to develop that, that place that we all ultimately want to live in. Yep. But yeah. I love that. Well, I think, I think it all comes down to vulnerability. You can't have great sex unless you can be truly vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And you can't be truly vulnerable with someone unless they really know you, unless they really understand you, unless yeah. you can really trust them. And as yeah. you build that trust, as you build that camaraderie, as you build that, you're able to become more vulnerable. And the more vulnerable you can get, the better sex is going to be. Okay. So I think that's yes. one of the reasons it gets better with time too. Mm-hmm. We'll be right back to the interview. But first, we wanted to share something that we are really excited about. So you know, we all have those times where we don't feel super connected to our spouse and we really don't know what conversations to have to get us to that connected place. And then on top of that, we're so busy that we don't prioritize those conversations. And that's why we created the monthly live date night. 
And monthly live date night is every month on a Friday night for 90 minutes, 60 minutes. It, we focus on a topic that uh, you guys pick. And then 30 minutes, we do a Q&A and it's live where we're all together asking questions and giving answers on topics related to your marriage, your intimacy. And we share tools. Uh, we have handouts that we call homework because we want you to be there to listen and to soak in. But we really want you to take action in your marriage too. So come join us live for the next monthly live date night. Check the link in the show notes for dates and details. All right, back to the interview. So on that note, say somebody is listening and they are, you know, they're dating or they're engaged and there's all this tension built up around the wedding night. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, they are saving themselves for marriage. So they're a virgin and lots of hype. There's lots of hype. And yet there's on the other end of this, we don't talk about sex at all unless we're talking about the wedding night. Right. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. So what would you tell what advice would you give young ladies who are nervous about the wedding, the wedding night and what that's going to be like? Um, And they maybe don't have a lot of uh, culture, open culture around sex in their family or their community. Mm-hmm. Um, the big thing that I said in the Good Girls Guide to Great Sex is just relax, which I know is hard to do. So I want to elaborate on that <laughs> a little bit more. But, you know, why is it that we tell dating couples, be careful about going too far, be careful about making out, because if you do, it, you know, it could easily take on a life of its own and lead to sex, right? Uh-huh. Now, yeah. what we mean by that is that there are certain steps that get you in a progression of arousal, right? Mm -hmm. Like first you might just kiss a little bit, then you kiss a little bit deeper, then your hands wander a little bit, then maybe they go under clothes, then you touch parts of bodies, then you, Mm -hmm. you know, get used to stimulating parts of bodies, you know, then you, whatever, like, like these are natural progressions that (laughs) people go through now. And, and as you go through those steps, the reason that we tell couples to avoid, you know, lying down on a couch together and making mm-hmm. out for a long time before you're married is because once you start in that progression, it can be hard to stop, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So that's what we tell people because those things naturally lead to arousal, which, which can easily lead to sex. Mm-hmm. What happens on the wedding night, though, mm-hmm. is that we skip steps. Uh, we often yes. skip steps completely, <laughs> uh, you know, because now you can have sex. So why would you do all those middle things? Mm-hmm. And and why is it that those middle things are arousing? Like, why is it that it's arousing just to make out while your hands wander a little bit? Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's often because you're not aiming for anything. Yeah, You're just enjoying each other. You're taking a really long time. You're relaxed together. And so you That's get aroused. True. Yes. What happens though for many people on the wedding night is that now that we can have sex, you feel like you have to. Mm -hmm. And so you start kissing, you take off your clothes and you end up trying intercourse, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, in, in the surveys that we did, like the majority of women are not aroused the first time that they have sex. And that's a problem. And so my one biggest piece of advice that I give to couples now is don't aim for intercourse, aim for arousal. (laughs) And if it's possible, bring each other, bring her to orgasm before you have intercourse. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. Okay. Even Mm -hmm. if it takes several days, really work on that. And I know it's really difficult because you've been looking forward to this your whole life, but trust me on this one. (laughs) Like if she learns what all the fuss is about, earlier, she's going to want sex. But if she keeps having sex, which feels like nothing, she's going to assume she doesn't want it and doesn't like it. Yeah, or hurts. And that's another big issue too is, you know, um, Christian women experience sexual pain at twice the rate of the general population. And so this is our problem. And, you know, about 7% of women experience pain to such an extent that penetration is actually impossible. And a large part of that, I think, is rushing for intercourse when she doesn't feel like she has a choice. So all of a sudden, it's like something is being done to her, even if she's been looking forward to sex her whole life. It's just a very strange dynamic. And so taking that dynamic away and just saying, you know what, we're just going to have fun. We are mm-hmm. just going to have fun and get comfortable with this because we have yeah. an entire lifetime to be married <laughs> can yeah. help so much. Yes. That's huge because awesome. so much, uh, so many of the problems I think in, in married couples too, let's just like, you know, go a little bit farther is when uh, couples get so, um, I don't know, so focused on outcome rather than just mm-hmm. like you said, enjoying experience, the moment, the experience. Yeah. yeah. And so, if, if, you know, especially the guy, he's focused on, oh, well, let's just get, you know, the outcome here. And she's like, well, I don't feel, you know, I don't mm-hmm. feel attra- connected. like connected right now. Yep. We haven't gone through yeah. the steps like you were talking about. There's kind of like yep. a shutdown for her mm-hmm. and then he gets frustrated and then it's just kind of a cycle that goes through, you know, because then he pouts mm-hmm. and then, <laughs> you know, yeah. so... I think kind of what I'm taking from you, it sounds like maybe you can elaborate on this, but even married couples, not just trying all the time. Maybe there's times for just focusing on getting to a different location quicker, but outcome is very important or not, not focusing solely on the outcome would be, I think probably good advice. Would you say that or what, what what would you have? Yeah. Well, I think the big thing is that we need to we need to figure out what our measure of success is. And I, I'm not saying that you need to measure everything like it's like a, yeah, like it is an output. I don't sure, mean sure. that. But I think often we think our measure of success and whether or not our sex life is good is how often we have intercourse, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, so you pressure yourself, well, you know, like we should be having sex at least every three days. And, and you think about it in those terms. And what I would rather couples did is say, how can we make sure that we're each enjoying each other? Mm-hmm. You know, like how can we make sure this is good for each of us? Because if we figure that out, often the frequency part takes care of itself. Yeah. But, you know, studies have repeatedly shown that if you look at um, emotional satisfaction in marriage, so how, how you treat each other and how you feel in your marriage, um, emotional satisfaction during sex, so how you feel during sex towards each other, mm-hmm. uh, how often you have sex, and how... Um, and whether or not you climax. So those four things, right? Like mm-hmm. how connected you feel outside of the bedroom, inside the bedroom, whether you climax and how often you have sex. Of those four things, how often you have sex matters the least yep. when you're going to measure it, when you're going to see which leads to the most marital satisfaction. Yes. It's not that it doesn't matter. It's just that it's more of an outcome variable of all the other things. 
Like when all yeah. the other things are working, frequency mm-hmm. takes care of itself. But when the mm-hmm. other things aren't working, frequency doesn't. And yet right. what we tend to do, especially in the church, is we focus on the verses, do not deprive each other. And we tell people, you're just supposed to be having sex. And we don't tell people how to make how to make you feel good, how to make yourself feel yeah. connected with your spouse, how yeah. to make sure you're enjoying it. And I think if we focused on those other things, the frequency would 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 take care of itself. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. And good. and I've also seen studies where like frequency matters to an extent, but once you hit a certain, I think it's like once a week, once you hit yes, once a once week, a it week, doesn't yeah. matter as much, right? Like yeah. if you have mm-hmm. if you have sex twice a week, it's not like you're gonna have uh, a better marriage than those who are having sex once a week. Right. Yeah. yeah. It just, it, it's not the big thing. The bigger thing is how you treat each other outside the bedroom and, and the quality of that sex life. So mm-hmm. like, I think that we should be having frequent sex personally. I think mm-hmm. like what I would love to see is people understanding how amazing sex can be, how fun sex can be. Hey, it even yes. helps you sleep. Like if you yes. don't have sex because you're <laughs> exhausted, you know what? Like I figured this out a long time ago. I used to say no because I was exhausted. And then I realized I slept so much better when I'm tired yeah. or yeah. like slept so much better after sex. Yeah. And so now I just say to Keith, you know, come put me to sleep, hon. And it's, it's amazing. So, like, That's awesome. Like I would rather people did have frequent sex, but, but the, but the reason it's amazing is not because it happens frequently, but because you learn how to focus on each other and you learn how to really be there for each other. And that's Mm -hmm. what makes it awesome. It's an outcome variable of the other three variables. I love how you said that. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. How, what advice would you give couples then that, you know, want to get to this better place in their sex life? Um, you know, to maybe not worry about so much outcome, but where would you start steering their conversations or what advice would you give them to help them work on those other, those other three places that you talked about? Mm-hmm. Like, I, inside and outside. Yeah. I think it just depends on what your roadblock is. The very first starting point for everybody when it comes to sex is just make sure she can reach orgasm. Like, mm. you know, until she can reach orgasm, trying to work on her libido, trying to work on, you know, feeling intimate during sex. Like that's not, that's not the main thing. Like, let's figure this piece out. <laughs> and, yeah. and it's so much easier to do that earlier in marriage. Like it's really demoralizing to have been married for like 15, 17 years and never reach orgasm. And yeah. let me just say to the guys right now, your wife may tell you that it's okay and that she doesn't mind and that you can just go ahead. That's sustainable for a while. It's not sustainable forever. And after yeah. a few decades, she's just going to say, forget it. I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> like We've seen like, that time he, and time he, again. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Like if your wife is not reaching orgasm, then don't keep having sex with her. Like figure this out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Even if she says she's fine with it. Cause a lot of women, we don't know how to speak up for ourselves. Sometimes we have trauma mm-hmm. in our pasts. There's all kinds of reasons why sex may not be working, but then mm-hmm. that's why it's important to figure that piece out. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's the number one thing. And then other than that, I, I would just say like, you know, if you both are able to enjoy sex, but it just isn't happening or you just don't want it or you want it to different degrees, you just got to decide what you want your life to be like. Like at some point, you just got to start living your life and don't let your life just happen. You know, if you are staying up all night watching Netflix and then you're heading to bed at 1230 exhausted, sex is not going to happen. And then if you wonder why you're distant, 
but it's because you're never spending any time together. Like if you, if your life is boring and if sex is boring, you got to do something about it because sex mm-hmm. is not supposed to be boring. <laughs> so, that's right. You know, <laughs> that's right. Um, but it doesn't yeah. magically get amazing. Like, like if something is important to you, then you got to put some work into it. And you got to just make it a priority. And this is a good priority. Like this is fun stuff. So yeah. 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 (laughs) I love that. This is fun stuff. (laughs) How would you, uh, just on that note, how would you um, encourage somebody to make their sex life more fun and to spice up the bedroom? Oh gosh, I got all kinds. <laughs> yes, I got all kinds of ideas. Yeah, there's there's all kinds in the Good Girls Guide to Great Sex. I've got all kinds of good girl stairs on the on the margins, which I are which those. are really fun. Those are fun. Um, I have a whole I have a whole other book called Thirty One Days to Great Sex on how to spice things up, which is which is great. How to get more okay. conversations and um, lots of stuff on the website. But I would just say, you know, um, just do things differently. Like mm-hmm. if you always do it one way, then if you all, if she tends to orgasm in one particular position, it's okay to always end in that position, but maybe try to begin in different positions, you know, mm-hmm. every time yep. or, um, yeah. a big thing. I think one of the big ways to spice things up is to start sex when you're awake and not mm-hmm. when you're super tired. Like that's probably the easiest way because if you're awake, you're going to be more energetic. So instead of watching the Netflix series, you know, getting to the end of season seven before you head to bed or whatever. So we're going to get the last four episodes in. We're going to start at seven. We're going to end at 1130 and then we're going to go to bed. You know, watch one episode, go to bed at eight have an amazing mm-hmm. time. And then if you're still awake, you can always watch those other episodes, but like <laughs> prioritize, right? Yeah. We're awake. Yeah. Yeah. I think if you yeah. want to, it's really hard to spice things up when you're just sleeping. There you <laughs> so, go. Yeah. Yeah. So, so be awake. Yeah. The novelty, those two, those are two important ways to start. No, spicing. No yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so true. That's really good. Yeah. So for the couples out there that do want to start making steps, you kind of mentioned a few of those resources, Um, but we know you have a lot of resources. You've been spending a lot of time writing on this stuff and giving all this, you know, good stuff. So um, what would you point couples to maybe the first steps on their kind of journey to making things hot and holy? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, for women, like you've been, like we've been talking about this, this show, you know, the good girl's guide to great sex is just a great book to understand what God mm-hmm. made sex to be and how hot and holy can go together. Um, for couples, if you want to spice things up, 31 days to great sex is awesome. But if you go to my blog to love honor and where I blog almost every day on sex and marriage or whatever, um, I have a number of courses. And one thing that just released two weeks ago is our orgasm course. So okay. if this is, if this is the piece that it's missing in your marriage. Um, it's a, it's just a really comprehensive, fun, fun course that you can nice. do to rediscover arousal, how to make nice. her feel good and how to finally reach that. Yeah. That's awesome. Perfect. And then tell us about the books you have coming out soon. Those are exciting. Mm-hmm. Well, in March, The Great Sex Rescue comes out, and it's probably the book I've been most excited about. It's based on our survey of 20,000 women, and what we did was we looked at the best-selling um, evangelical sex and marriage books and, and the teachings that they had in it, and we saw that a lot of those teachings actually are hurting 
women's sexuality and Mm -hmm. men's too, for that matter. Mm -hmm. And they're stopping women from being able to enjoy sex. And so we're trying to rescue and reframe these messages and get them more in line with what we think Jesus is saying, (laughs) you know? So just as an example, like one really common one is you have to have sex with him or he's going to watch porn. You know, women who believe that are far less likely to reach orgasm and are far more likely to feel distant in their marriage. Mm. And yet this is preached in almost all Christian resources. So, you know, let's start talking about this stuff better. And I think Mm -hmm. it's just going to be so validating for so many people reading this and realizing I'm not crazy. Like that was bad. (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well, we will link each of these in the show notes. Uh, Any other resources that you want to add to that list? Um, I have a boost your libido course as well. Um, so if libido is an issue for her, you can ch- take a look at that. So just go to, to love, honor, and vacuum.com, click on courses and books and you'll see everything there. there. Um, and yeah, and do join me at the blog too. Cause we always do talk about sex. So. Super. <laughs> yeah. And she also has a podcast to love, honor, and vacuum. And we'll link that as well. Um, oh yes. Thank you for mentioning that. Let's forget the, yes. those things. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yes. yes. So she has, um, and she's given permission for you to reach out to her. If you'd like to get in touch with Sheila, um, you can reach out via Facebook. You can reach out, uh, via her website to love, honor, and and email Sheila at Sheila Ray And that'll all be in the show notes. All right. So we are going to transition to the end of our podcast here. And um, we ask all of our interviewees this question. Uh, Before we do, for those who are listening, if you're enjoying what you're listening to, please go ahead and leave a review and a star rating. It really helps the podcast reach many more couples. All right. So on to our Dear Young Married Couple letter. So Sheila, going back to the first few years of your marriage, how long have you been married, by the way? 29 years. Yes. Coming up on a milestone. (laughs) Going back to your first few years of marriage, um, think about the advice that you wish you would have received and fill in the blank. Dear young married couple. Remember that marriage is a journey. You don't have to arrive right at the beginning, but at the same time, you want to know where you're going. And you want to be moving there. So don't put up with mediocre because the things that you do in the first few years of your marriage set the pattern for the rest of your marriage. Mm. So if you want awesome, do the work to get awesome, even if awesome is still a couple of years out. (laughs) Mm, Love that. Balanced advice right there. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's really, truly been an honor to have you on our show we really appreciate it and we love all the work that you're doing and we're fans like yes cheering you well, thank you thank you that's awesome well it's been all great right. to join you thank you thank you all right friends we really hope that you got a ton out of today's conversation and if you want help if you want personal guidance with individual counseling or couples counseling or even help with you as a couple reaching the goals you have just reach out Give us a call at 916-678-1797 or shoot us an email at hello at dearyoungmarriedcouple.com. No matter where you are in the world or in your marriage, we can set up a counseling session with you and we can work toward progress. We also post marriage advice regularly on our Instagram, which is at dearyoungmarriedcouple. And we'd love for you to join us in conversation there. All right. See you next week.